reasons for a heart of gratitude. Today on Graceful Truth with Pastor Steve Converse. The Word of God clearly says that He has forgiven all of our sins, all of our iniquities. And you got to remember the character of God, it's not like He knows time, He transcends time. There's no beginning and end. He's everywhere all the time, at every place, every minute. You know, a minute from now, God's already there. Two years from now, it's, it's, it's in the present for Him. He's above time. So when he says that he's pardoned us, he's forgiven all our iniquities, that's exactly what it means. Happy Thanksgiving. Welcome to today's broadcast of Graceful Truth with Pastor Steve Converse from Grace Bible Church here in Redwood City. Over the course of the next two weeks, we want to take some time taking a look at gratitude, a heart of gratitude to be specific. As we celebrate Thanksgiving, we wanted to take a look at Psalm 103, five benefits from God, the fact that he pardons all of our iniquities. And then next week, we'll go on to see others, the fact that he heals us from all of our diseases, redeems our life from the pit, compassionate and gracious, and he satisfies your years with good things. Indeed, as Christians, we have much to be thankful for. A heart of gratitude. Here's Pastor Steve Converse with today's broadcast of Graceful Truth from Psalm 103. You know, there's a place back in Georgia called Stone Mountain. I don't know if you've ever been there or seen that. And it's a very large, almost naked hill of granite, solid granite. It's located about 15 miles north of Atlanta. And back in the 1920s, uh, it was dedicated to the conf as a kind of a Confederate memorial, uh, a place where it would be used to honor those who fought in the South and gave themselves in that terrible uh, battle in which our country was fighting. And as you apparently approach this mountain, uh, on the north side of this thing, there's a big etching in, in really uh, bold relief. It's kind of like a huge mural. In the back, there's hundreds of soldiers. The picture is sitting on their horses, ready to go to war. And uh, in the center of this mural, as they were actually making this mural, several lives were, were lost. But in the center of the mural, there's, there's three large characters kind of hewn out there in the stone. Uh, Jefferson Davis, Robert E. Lee, and Stonewall Jackson, who basically represent the Confederate high command. And, uh, it's interesting when you're in a place like that or if you've ever been to Mount Rushmore and you just sit there and th these things are huge or the Grand Canyon and you look around and you're going, wow, I mean, you know, incredible that God has gifted man to make such an incredible sculpture, such an incredible thing, something in honor of somebody as this. If you've gone to some of the national parks, going up to Yosemite and stood at the foot of the Yosemite Falls and you just look at how beautiful it is. I mean, you can't help but leave her in your heart to go praise God for this. It's just wonderful. Uh, you know, if you take a drive over the coast, and it's just so beautiful. Sometimes we forget that the person that we need to be praising for that is not, you know, the governor of California or anything, but we need to be praising God. Okay, uh, not the organizations that preserve the, you know, the wildlands and all that, but we need to, our praise and our adoration should be to God. And I think sometimes when we think of praise and worship to the Lord, there's kind of three areas that we can focus in on. One of them, the first one is if you just focus in on your own personal life this holiday season and say, what should I be thankful for to God? What has God done, not from, even for my family, but for me personally? 
What has God done? And how grateful that we should be as a result of that. How grateful, really, we should be that he has come and really invaded us, put his Holy Spirit within us, and changed us from the rebels that we were before to his own children. What a wonderful thing. I mean, that's something that you can praise God for, you know, every day of the year. But then you stop and you say, okay, well, that's personal, that's good. But then you can move on from that and you can say, you know, think of the country we live in. Yeah, you know, with all the politics and all the goofiness and everything, I understand that. But you know what? It's still one of the greatest countries in the world. If not the, I'll say the greatest countries because that's, that's how I feel. It's, it's the greatest country in the world. It's interesting sometimes because we live here, we just take that for granted. We take for granted that we have the freedom to mosey on in here Sunday morning, open up a Bible, worship together, and praise the Lord. In some countries, beloved, they can't do that. In some countries, you know, there could be Muslim terrorists coming in to lop our heads off because, just because we're Christians. It happens every day. Tens of thousands of people are persecuted because their faith in Christ. And yet here we live in this wonderful country and we're isolated from all that, at least for the time being, and, and we can really praise God for that. And sometimes we need to stop and just think of the, the grandeur that's around us just in the nature that God created, but then also personally, but then as our nation, how, how beautiful is that? You know, but that's the hand of God that created all that beauty. You look up into the sky and you see all the universe. That all comes from his hand. And so we need to stop sometimes and we need to kind of, as God did all that, as this psalm starts, bless the Lord, O my soul. I don't know if David was standing in front of a historical site when he wrote this or a wonderful national monument or just looking up into the sky or, or whatever, but his heart is filled with blessing to the Lord. And we're just going to look at the first basic five verses of this, this psalm, kind of jump around a little bit. You know, he says there, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. And he goes on and he says the same thing. And then he adds this, forget none of his benefits. At the beginning of verse 19 through the end of the chapter, verse 22, David basically turns to the universe as we read and it's the Lord of the heavens, he goes on. So first, there is the Lord and David, the personal part in the beginning of the psalm. He makes it personal. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. And he goes on and he talks about that. And then he says there's the Lord of the nation, the nation of Israel. And he talks about that. And then finally, there's the Lord of the heavens. And it's the same thing. When we praise God, that's, that's how we should praise God from our heart, personally. And, and just thank him for the country we live in. And then look around us and thank you for the creation that he's created. I think sometimes we live in the kind of the, the lap of luxury and prosperity. And you may say, well, you haven't seen my bank account. But you know what? Whatever's in your bank account, that's irrelevant. I mean, we live in a very prosperous society today. Very prosperous. Someone was commenting last night, look at all the food we have left over. I mean, there are people that go without food every day. And yet we had an abundance of food. And sometimes it's, we, we get complacent, I think, in our praise and our thankfulness to God. And I think there's a couple reasons why that happens. For what should we praise God? Uh, why do we have to thank him all the time? And I think sometimes we just forget that it all comes from his hand. And really, the book of Psalms is, is really a, a compilation of, of songs, hymns, you might say. And if you look at through the hymnal, you know, you can go to the back of a topical index. It kind of has a theme for each hymn. Well, that's kind of what this is. It's, it's a hymn. That, that David penned by the move of the Holy Spirit within him, and he really talks about 
just the, the, the theme, if you were to kind of sum it up in one theme, the whole psalm is really, you know what? Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. Verse 2 says the same thing. Verse 20 says, bless the Lord, you angels. Verse 21 says, all you hosts, everybody, bless the Lord. And six times, in a very significant way, the psalmist brings to the surface this theme of this psalm, which is blessing the Lord. We're to bless the Lord by praising him, by exalting his name. That's why when we come together as a church, we're not here to exalt somebody or a group of people or one person or whoever. We're here to exalt Jesus Christ. That's it. We're not here to entertain you. We're not here to, you know, kind of make you feel comfortable. Hopefully the chairs are doing a good job of that. But that's not our purpose. You know, we want to, hopefully you feel warm and you feel welcome here and all that. But we also want to create an environment where God can work in your hearts. And we have to kind of get out of the way sometimes and let God do that. Well, what does it mean to bless the Lord? It, simply, it means to praise Him. It simply means to praise God. It means to exalt His name, to lift up His name above all others. We've been talking in Philippians how that Jesus was given a name above all names. And it wasn't the name Jesus. That's a common name. You can go to uh, Mexico and meet lots of people named Jesus. Okay? But the name above all names that Paul was talking about was the name Lord. Because there can only be one Lord. And Jesus is the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings. And so that's the name that Paul was talking about. And when we exalt his name, when we bless the Lord, that pleases him. It means to be so occupied with him, so focused on him, that you're kind of almost absent from the scene. Have you ever been there? Have you ever been in a quiet time, maybe reading, and, and God just kind of takes you to that special place where it's just you and him? You know, some of you with kids are going, yeah, right, I wish I had that, <laughs> you know, opportunity. Well, you know what? Pray and ask God to give you that opportunity because that's a really neat time. And, and it's neat when God takes us there. And it means basically to exalt him to the point where you're almost removed out of that. It's, it's all God. And so we're to call, really here in the psalm, David writes and he says, you know what? I, I want us to bless the Lord. And he makes it personal. And he says that we bless the Lord by forgetting none of his benefits. See there? Forget none of his benefits. And I just think that it's a neat way, the way he put that. Literally, it reads this, and do not forget all his rewards. See, there's a difference when he, David says, if he were to write, forget none of his benefits. Because you know what? We're all human, right? So I don't know about you, but I forget his benefits every day. <laughs> he doesn't say it that way. That's not what the literal uh, language says here. It literally reads, and do not forget all his rewards. In other words, I know you're going to forget some of them, but don't forget all of them. Because he knows we're, we're human. And sometimes when we forget benefits in our lives, you know, when, when somebody blesses us with something, and we've all done this, somebody blesses us in an incredible way. And you know, at the moment of that blessing, we're just going, wow, this is so good. Praise God. But then you know what? Sometimes we get so focused on the gift, we forget who gave it to us. We forget to be grateful to the person who extended their hand of blessing. I know I've done that. And you've probably done it too. And we call people like that ungrateful people ungrateful people. Look over at 2 Timothy chapter 3 because Paul is writing this letter to Timothy in the New Testament and he basically describes for us the society in which we live. Now this is like reading the newspaper, our society. This is how it describes it. Look at uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3 and follow along as I begin in verse 1. Paul writes, but know this that in the last days, some people say, were we in the last days? Sure, we're in the last days. They were in the last days in Paul's day. In the last days doesn't mean the last day. It means a set of, a period of time. And he says, perilous times will come. 
And then he gives us kind of some 19 indications of these perilous times. Look at verse 2. For men will be lovers of themselves. Think we live in a society where men love themselves and women love themselves? Lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents. And then look at this word. Unthankful or ungrateful. Pretty near the top of the list there. Unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness. In other words, they kind of look godly. You know, they put on a kind of a religious suit once a week and they come to church and, you know, how are you? Oh, doing fine, brother. How are you doing? And they know how to play the game. They know all the language. But you know what? It's just a form of godliness. God hasn't transformed their heart. So dangerous to be in that place. A form of godliness, but denying its power. In other words, claiming to be a believer, but you know what? God isn't affecting any change in your life. There's, there's nothing there. You're just an empty shell. And he goes on, denying its power. And then he says this, and from such people turn away. And he goes on from there. That's the society in which we live. That describes it. But that one word there, ungrateful, really, really kind of hammers home where we live. People are ungrateful all the time. It's always interesting when you talk to people who work in restaurants. I heard someone tell me one time that some of the richest people are the worst tippers. Just the worst tippers. Because they probably have a standard that's so high that nobody could ever meet their needs. <laughs> and so they, they just don't tip. That's a way of being grateful to somebody. Showing appreciation to somebody. Uh, saying thank you to the clerk at the, at the grocery store. I mean, that should be part of our character as believers. That we're thankful to people around us unthankful or ungrateful people or people who don't have any gratefulness at all. They've totally taken it out. One commentator says this, the strange characteristic of ingratitude is that it's the most hurting of all sins. And he gives the reason why. He says it's because it's the blindest of all sins. In other words, the ungrateful people don't even know they're ungrateful. So you come up and say, hey, I want to buy you lunch. You know, I'm going to be ungrateful, so I'm not going to say thank you at the end of the lunch. You know, no. Sometimes, you know what, that happens and, and it's just a slip of the mind or whatever. But that, that's what we have to be aware of. Luke 6, 35 tells us, I think, why we have this continued ungratefulness a lot of times. In Luke 6, 35, it says, He is kind even though we are ungrateful. Talking about God. If we're ungrateful to Him, He doesn't say, okay, that's it, nothing else. He's not like, when our kids are bad, what do we do? We cut them off. You know, no more candy unless you're going to be good. Or no more this or no more that. That's just the way it is. Well, God is not that way. God extends his grace to us because he's totally gracious to us all the time. Sometimes we grow complacent in that. We take advantage of it. C.S. Lewis wrote this. He said, the long, dull, monotonous years of the Middle Age prosperity are excellent campaigning weather for the devil. In other words, what he's saying basically is, you know what? Most of us have known so much prosperity in our lives and so much grace and so much blessing from God Sometimes we say, well, what is there to be thankful for? I work hard every week. I, you know, I do this, it's all, and it comes back to us. I want to share this morning briefly with you five benefits that God has for us in this psalm. Just five quick ones. The first benefit, in Psalm 103, God is the one who pardons all our iniquities. It says in verse 3, who forgives all of our iniquities. God pardons all your iniquities, all your sins. 
you ever think what it would be like as a Christian to go to God and as he, you know, you're, you're practicing 1 John 1, 9, if we sin, confess our sins to him. Okay, so we go to God and we're, God, you know, I had a bad thought today or I got angry or whatever. And God fires back, well, too bad, that's it, you're cut off. No more forgiveness for you. Can you imagine? I mean, I don't know about you, but I'd be in trouble right now. I mean, just, you know, I mean, minute to minute. You know, I mean, we, we all sin. We've all fallen short of God's standard for holiness, each and every one of us. And I can't imagine if God just said, you know what, I'm going to pardon some of your sins, but, you know, the, the, the rest of them, you're on your own. Sorry about that. Could you ever imagine God turning to you and saying, you know what, you've gone too far. That's where my forgiveness stops. That's not what the Word of God says. The Word of God clearly says that He has forgiven all of our sins, all of our iniquities. And you've got to remember the character of God. It's not like He knows time. He transcends time. There's no beginning and end. He's everywhere all the time. At every place, every minute. You know, a minute from now, God's already there. Two years from now, it's, it's, it's in the present for Him. He's above time. And so when He says that He's pardoned us, He's forgiven all our iniquities, that's exactly what it means. Look at verse 10 of Psalm 103. It says, He has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor punished us according to our iniquities. Isn't that wonderful? That God has not dealt with us according to our sins? Just stop and think in your own mind how much you've sinned. Maybe even today, even this morning, driving to church with your family, arguing over something, whatever it might be. Yesterday, last week, last month. Let's, let's go back to the last Thanksgiving and start there. And you can start, sit down and start writing up the sins that you've committed since then. I don't know about you, but I couldn't find a, big, a book big enough. It'd be impossible. And God says right there, you know what? He's not going to deal with us according to our sins. I don't know about you, but I say praise God for that. Because if God dealt with me according to my sins, I'd be out of here, burnt up just like that. I mean, I'd be zapped right before your eyes. And sometimes... We forget to be thankful for that, you know. I'll let you know a little secret. Sometimes your pastor likes to drive fast. I don't know if that's really a secret or not, but. And this last week, we were up in Washington. I was taking Crystal and the two grandkids to the airport in my rented uh, Voyager van or whatever it was. And, uh, you know, we had time and everything, but I thought, you know, we got to get there and kids and we got strollers and all this stuff. You know, I'd never really done this before, so I'm going to get there early, early, early. The flight left at 10 something, and it was probably 7.30 or 7 o'clock or whatever. We're on the road. We're driving from Whidbey Island on I-5 down through to Seattle. And I'm thinking, hey, carpool lane, not a bad idea. So I get in the carpool lane. Saturday morning, it's not a lot of cars, but, you know, nobody's on the carpool lane. So I want to be in the carpool lane so I can be first. So we're driving. And I'm creeping up on this Impala. Kind of looked like your car, Ivor, that color. Okay, what's this guy doing in the carpool lane? You know, it's one guy in the car. This doesn't make any sense. And he's actually going the speed limit. Well, this is easy to solve. I'll just zip around him and we'll go on our way. Which I did. Zipped around, you know, got back in the carpool lane. Boom, cranked it up about five miles an hour, going about 78 miles an hour. All of a sudden, I see in my rearview mirrors, these lights. And I'm thinking, well, what's that guy? Maybe the van's open or something. I don't know what's going on, you know, because there's just this high beam splash. And all of a sudden, the little light appeared above the, the uh, rearview mirror. And it wasn't just a little light. It was strobe lights across the whole thing. And I thought, oh, you know, that's, that's a police car. I just passed a police car. <laughs> and I'm looking at Crystal. I go, yeah, you know, we got to pull over. She's like, why? She looks back. She goes, oh, no, you know. So, and she was fine with it, and, you know, and, and she's commenting to Mason, Grandpa just got stopped by a police officer. You know? 
And I'm thinking there, I'm thinking, my wife's going to kill me, first of all. Can't afford this ticket. You know, how long has it been since I've been to traffic school? I think I got enough time there. Maybe I can do that again. Still, you got to pay the ticket and all that. I'm, I just go, all this stuff's running through my mind. The officer gets up and he runs, you know, kind of walks up to the car. I have my registration ready and the car rental stuff. Give it to him. Kind of looks at me and he goes, you know, you were going 78 miles an hour. I say, yes, sir. Uh, all right, hold on a second. So he goes back to his car and I'm going, ah, you know, this is it. Because once they go back to the car, they write the ticket. I mean, there's, you know, there's no getting. I've never gotten away from a ticket ever in my life. You know, I've done things that people do all the time, but I get a ticket for it, you know. So I'm sitting in the car and I'm watching my rearview mirror and kind of, you know, trying to play with the kids. And he comes back up and he goes, okay, sir. He goes, this is a high impact area here. Just, just, he goes, where are you going in such a hurry? I go, well, I got to get to the airport. And he goes, just, uh, you know, slow down. I'm looking at him going, Okay, gave me my license back, gave me the thing back. I just looked at Crystal, I go, man, this is great. <laughs> you know, I, I can't believe this. This never happened to me before. You know what, that officer did not, did not reward me, did not deal with me according to my sin. He, he extended his grace to me, his mercy. And I just thought, wow, that's, that's just incredible. We got back on the, the freeway, and the, the whole time I'm thinking, that's incredible. And yet, when it comes to God, because maybe there's not a monetary value attached to that or points on our license or whatever, but we're not as thankful. And we need to be. And we get to the airport and we're unloading the van. And, you know, we got kids and we're trying to get these things checked in and stuff. And I kind of walked maybe 20 feet away from the van. And luckily, Crystal was in earshot and saw the police officer ready to write the ticket and ran over and saved me once again. So, you know, he was gracious. This guy was gracious once again to give me a parking ticket there. But, you know, that's the way it is with God, almost on a daily basis. When we sin, you know what? His grace is extended to us because his word says he has not dealt with us according to our sin. He's not rewarded us according to our iniquities. Look at verse 12. It says, as far as the east is from the west. Now, if you can get your little measuring rod out and measure that, then you're the first one to do that. That's an infinite measurement. There's no end to that. The east is from the west. How could you ever measure that? It says in verse 12, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. See, when we come to Christ, God takes the sin that we have on us and he puts it on Christ. That's why Christ had to die on a cross. Even though that he had never committed one sin, he was perfect in every way. He was willing to come to earth First of all, to take on the appearance of a man and the body of a man, I mean, just for God to do that is amazing. But he did that, and then he, he was, the Philippians tell us that he was, humbled himself and was obedient even to the point of death on a cross. Now, a cross is an offense to, to a Jew, and to die on a cross was a horrible thing. It was a curse almost. But Christ willingly took that upon himself so that we wouldn't have to try to pay for our sins. We could never pay for our sins anyway. You know, some people think, well, they're just going to go to hell and have a party. No, you're not. Hell is a very real place. And hell is the total absence of anything good. The total absence of God. And it's, you do not want to go there. The Bible speaks a lot about hell. Unfortunately, a lot of churches don't talk about hell anymore. Because it's not politically correct or because it's offensive to people. But hell is a real place and it really exists. And people are dying and going there every day. And God, that grieves God's heart. And I think the first order of business... When we look at hey, God is the one who pardons all our iniquities, it has to be a personal thing. If we're going to be grateful to God, if we're going to have an attitude of gratefulness before God, 
God has to touch our lives personally. Because if you haven't had your sins forgiven, if you don't know what it means to put your trust and faith in Christ, then you know what? You're not saved. You have not trusted God for your salvation. You don't understand that the Bible says clearly all have sin. Not some, not most. It says all, everybody. The Bible says the, the soul that sins dies. There's no back door to get to heaven. There's no second chance. There's nothing. We need to put our faith and our trust in what God has provided for us in Christ. Well, it is our prayer here at Graceful Truth that God would reveal His grace to your hearts through the teaching of His Word each week. We trust you're currently involved in a Bible teaching church in your area. If not, we'd love to have you come and visit us here at Grace Bible Church in Redwood City. We meet each Sunday morning for our praise and worship service at 10 a.m. We offer nursery care and Sunday school classes for our children up to grade five. If you'd like to encourage us here at Graceful Truth, please give us a call at Grace Bible Church here in Redwood City. This is our phone number, 650-366-9923. Again, that's 650-366-9923. Or you can visit us on the web at gracefultruth.org. We've got a lot of resource materials available there, more information about who we are. And if you need a map to visit us at Grace Bible Church, that's there as well. Again, gracefultruth.org. And would you please drop us an email? Let us know you paid us a visit when you stop by. Again, gracefultruth.org. Or give us a call at 650-366-9923. Again, that's 650 650- 366-9923. We thank you for joining us today and trust we'll see you again next week at this same time for another broadcast of Graceful Truth. Graceful Truth.